Hello, my name is Karen Drury. I'm from FE3 and today we're going to talk about incivility. But before we get into that, is incivility really a thing? You might say that society in general has become more informal and that there are more opportunities for people to see things differently, particularly with the rise of older workers and employment. So is the rise of reported incivility because we are more uncivil? Or are we just more sensitive? Fiona Eldridge, Head of Membership for the College of Policing. I don't, I don't think it's because we're more sensitive. I think what's happened over the time I've been in work, which is beyond 30 years now, is that when I first went to work, I think the expectation was, and people seemed to feel, that you would do what you were asked to do. And yes, of course, you might grumble to your uh, co-workers and you, you might, might prefer to do things in your own way, but you wouldn't actually vocalise um, your objections. I think what's happened now is that people are actually more aware of, of their rights and feel that they have a right to challenge what they're being asked to do. Matt Hyde, Chief Executive of the Scouts Association. Many baby boomers, older generations, might see the behaviours or actions of millennials or younger workforce as evidence of incivility, where in actual fact they might just be traits of a different generation who are asking questions or who are having less deference than probably a group of baby boomers would be useful. I think there are certain expectations, for instance, around wanting to see the visibility from senior leaders in an organisation, and they want more uh, of an understanding about the individual uh, running the organisation, which is probably driven by a kind of age of transparency, driven by digital and things like that. So one of the things that I do to address that is I have these monthly staff meetings where any staff can join a webinar, a webcast. It's available to every site, every individual, whether it be home workers, people across the UK. And they're able to ask me any question anonymously on any topic. And I think what that does is that kind of humanises and brings closer the sort of senior team to, to, the, to the workforce and also allows you to talk about what are or aren't acceptable behaviours in the workplace. Because ultimately, if, I, if you take sort of the organisation I work for, it's a values-based organisation, so without our values, we are nothing. Mm. And the values are evidenced by people's behaviours. And that's how we as senior colleagues speak to each other, and each other and other staff, other volunteers, and therefore how we create an environment whereby you confront behaviours which are inappropriate or that could be seen to be uh, evidence of incivility. There seems to be many elements to incivility. Anything from eye-rolling to being interrupted, from derogatory and demeaning remarks to being ignored. But there is some agreement among scholars that incivility seems to involve behaviour which is characteristically rude. It also displays a lack of regard for others and is a violation of workplace norms for mutual respect. And while there is a potential kitchen sink of elements that might make up incivility, as the violation of a norm, it certainly does seem to be a thing, a worldwide thing. 
research in Australia, Canada, Korea, New Zealand, the Philippines, Singapore, the US and the UK indicates that the negative effects of incivility are a global phenomenon and that respect for others, regardless of cultural differences, is a universal thing. In the UK, the British Workplace Behaviour Survey in 2012 found that 40% of British employees have experienced incivility or disrespect. So, is it organisations that are not in tune with their workforce? Is the managerial hierarchy out of date? I, I suppose it's interesting. I think in many traditional organisations with, with a, a hierarchy, the hierarchy and the people who are leading that organisation will tend to be older. So I'm sure there is a generational aspect to this. However, what is interesting is that I, I haven't worked for somebody who's sort of uh, real dot com like a, a Google or a Yahoo or an Apple, um, but I have worked for a, an entrepreneur-led company. A few years after it was started, about six years, and they were taken over by a, a private equity backer. And as part of that, the private equity backer started to want to see some more structure in the organisation. It was expected that then there was a more conventional management structure with reporting lines and a typical way of actually behaving. And I think there was some resistance to that amongst the, the people who'd been used to a more flat structure, more democratic area. So it's interesting that the expectation is that there are people who will tell other people what to do and how to do it. Scouting is a very hierarchical organisation. It was built on hierarchical lines from 1907. So you have a headquarters function, and then reporting into that you have... Uh, areas, regions or counties, there's 90 of those, then you have reported into those, you have 700 plus districts, then you have 7,200 uh, scout groups that report into the districts, and that's a very rigid volunteer line management chain, and then within that, the Beaver Scouts and the Cub Scout leaders and the Scout leaders all report in through that chain, so it's a very hierarchical chain. Now I think what has changed, people won't always want to respect going through that line management chain and if they can and they do not just write but tweet facebook linkedin message me directly and uh, equally they want to self-serve for ideas or materials or things like that rather than being pushed through that the traditional hierarchical chain Although they're different things, some researchers consider incivility to be just the beginning of the more worrying phenomenon of bullying. The link between bullying and ill health is very solid in the literature, and the assumption is that incivility, as a less intense version of bullying, would also be linked to ill health. While there's not much evidence for this, it is proven that negative events in the workplace use up employees' energy, depleting resources for stress resistance. This, in turn, may lead to burnout. One of the few interventions to make an impact on incivility is something called CREW, or Civility, Respect and Engagement in the Workplace. It was initially developed for the Veteran Health Administration Hospitals in the US before being implemented in other care organisations in Canada. It involves teams explicitly discussing and determining their own civility norms 
and examining social interactions and how helpful they are. If one of the issues about incivility is that different generations hold different views of the norm, then getting them together might be a good thing. Matt Hyde. Uh, one of our four strategic objectives is young people shaping what they do in scouting. Mm. And so we try and put, uh, and this is kind of at the heart of what scouting's been about for 100 years, is put young people um, in more leadership positions, as, as has always been the case. But in, we've tried to increase that at a governance level as well. So you've got more young people who are shaping that, the sort of the rules of engagement mm. on a much more of a kind of partnership model. I think one of the things that scouting does very successfully, however, is by because of its intergenerational mixing, it brings together people from different generations so they understand more about each other. There's something about someone in their 90s sharing knowledge with a common language with a teenager, who, in, uh, whether that be traditional scouting skills or what have you, who in turn is supporting that 90-year-old with uh, changes in digital or getting on Facebook or whatever it may be. But before we all rush to programmes of workplace etiquette, a word of caution. Here's a quote from some research on incivility by Peters and Anderson. The folks who work on the line in our factories have a tendency to use offensive nicknames for each other. It sounds like an insider joke to them, but it sounds awful to others who overhear it. And here's the rub. One man's incivility may be another man's bonding. Let's take swearing. Seen by some as a clear sign of incivility between individuals, take the manager I've just quoted. A study by Baruch and Jennings in 2007 looked at the role of swearing in a predominantly male distribution warehouse. They came to the conclusion that swearing was a mark of solidarity and helped to define interpersonal relationships. In their study, social swearing is a release valve for stress and promotes individual well-being. The next stage in stress relief is annoyance swearing, which replaces actual physical aggression. They point out that the swearing correlates with stress. While there is little stress, social swearing is the norm. As stress rises, social swearing decreases and annoyance swearing increases. If stress rises even further, swearing tends to stop altogether. In this case study, as long as employees are swearing, they are coping. Context is important. While swearing between colleagues may not be acceptable in some work environments, in others, not only does it provide a useful purpose as either a team building mechanism or a release valve, it may also provide a valuable signal for supervisors that stress is within manageable limits. What's important for organisations is to know enough to tread the delicate line between robust camaraderie and behaviour that causes real harm. Until next time, thanks for listening. You've been listening to a podcast from FE3. Thanks to Fiona Eldridge, Head of Membership at the College of Policing, and Matt Hyde, Chief Executive of the Scouting Association. The content for this podcast was inspired by an FE3 mind stretch. If you'd like to attend one of these, please email karen at fe3.co.uk.